Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Weta L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect. How obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, episode 17. My first love is, or maybe I should say, was running. I love running, although I have a love-hate relationship with running. Due to my plethora of injuries I've had, it can carry a heavy toll sometimes. As mentioned in a number of episodes, all of my major injuries, minus my last injury, has been caused by running. The good is the way I feel when I run. The breeze blowing against my face. I feel like my cares are blowing away. Long runs. I have some serious talk with God. In the midst of races, especially difficult races, again, I have some deep talks with God. He helps me make it to the finish line. I take two steps forward, then it seems like I take two steps back. When I get to the point of speeding up, feeling like I'm back into my groove, I get injured. It can be a nagging knee pain, foot pain, but something that makes me slow down or take some days off. It's a constant battle. It's been the source of some significant frustrations, even today. Now it's not as bad because I'm more focused on triathlons, so I have to run, bike, and swim. So... I'm not as focused on running as when I was just a runner. But I realize I want to get back to my old pace and with my love of cycling. And as I slowly improve in swimming, those three will make me the triathlete I want to be. But since I get set back and running, and that's the last part of the race, when you're so fatigued, where you have to keep them going. I want it to be a source of strength versus a weakness. But today I'm going to talk about one of my loves. It's actually my favorite sport. Don't tell running. I started skiing in 1998. So I've been skiing longer than I've been doing anything. When I moved to Charlotte, I joined the local chapter of the National Brotherhood of Skiers, the Charlotte Breezers. I joined just to meet some people. I didn't have any serious aspirations in regards to skiing. I just was new in town and I wanted to form some new social networks. The first trip we went on was a hill compared to what I ski now out west. I never left the bunny slope. I even fell on the magic carpet. The next trip, I did progress from Bunny Slope, but was skiing in a 
which basically my skis were pointed in in the front and in the back they were spread out. Sometimes it's called pizza. Could not stop. I used to fall to stop. I also used the most elementary way to get up. I rolled on my stomach and pushed myself up. I remember the following day, my abs hurt more than anything just from pushing myself up. 2002 was the first year I went to the MBS, the National Brotherhood of Skiers Summit. Let me give you a little bit of history about the National Brotherhood of Skiers. In the early 1970s, before I was even born, African-Americans on the ski slope was a rarity and black ski clubs were an exception. Bill Finley and Art Clay, the NBS founders, had a vision to create a national black ski summit. The two founders met in 1972 after being introduced by a mutual friend when Finley was the president of the Four Seasons West Ski Club of Los Angeles. And Art Clay was a trip director of the Snow Gophers of Chicago. They moved forward with a proposal to bring 13 black ski clubs for an event which was called a happening, but later was changed to Black Summit. At the suggestion of a member of the Jim Dandy Ski Club of Detroit, the Black Summit would represent black skiers coming together at the summit of Ajax Mountain. The purpose was to identify and discuss problems and subjects which were unique to black skiing populations. The plan was to ski and socialize. The historic gathering took place in Aspen, Colorado in 1973 and was attended by over 350 skiers. There was overall sense of camaraderie that prevailed at this event and the same feeling is significantly associated with all Black ski summits. There was discussions of aspiring athletes for the position of the U.S. ski team. It was proposed at that time that the primary purpose of the organization would be to place a Black skier on the U.S. ski team. The mission was unanimously embraced by those in attendance. Thus began the commencement of the first national organization of predominantly black ski clubs. The National Brotherhood of Skiers was chartered in 1974 and incorporated as a nonprofit organization in Illinois in 1975. It received its 501c3 designation in 1978. Today, the organization has grown to 55 clubs representing 43 cities and has a membership of over 3,500. The MBS is recognized by the ski industry as one of the largest ski organizations and is summoned as the largest gathering of skiers and riders more than any other ski convention in the United States. Henry Rivers serves as the organization's president. In 2002, I went to my very first Black Ski Summit. I took a few days off of my rotation. I was in med school. This was my last year and I was on an easy rotation radiology. So I had no call. And my days were relatively short. 
I had the best time ever. I took ski lessons and improved. I learned to ski without being in a wedge. I could stop without rolling on my stomach and pushing myself up. I was a little more graceful than I had been in the past in regards to getting up after I fell. I still fell. One of my friends always says, you aren't skiing hard if you aren't falling. The key is to get up in one piece. They had the best parties and the men, oh my God, I felt like a kid in a candy store. Since 2002, I have been to every Black Summit except a mini hiatus when I was in residency as I was broke and I didn't get much time off. This was from 2004 to 2007. Now I'm a little older and I do more skiing than partying. I still love the parties and seeing friends. Some I consider family as I have known many since 2002. And each year it seems like I pick up new friends to add to my ski family. I've also had a few dating relationships generated over the years. I started racing in 2015. And it has become another passion of mine. There's something magical about skiing. The people are beyond awesome. And skiing is actually one hobby where the men and women seem to be somewhat equally proportioned. I love men outside of the obvious. They help me step up my game. If I want to ski with the guys, I have to keep up. Also get to see the best scenery as I ride up the lift chairs and ski down. There's something calming and relaxing and soothing about looking at the snow-capped mountains. I also have a need for speed, and I can ski fast within reason. I can actually compete, at least with my ski club. As I mentioned, I started racing in 2015, and I actually placed one awards. Unlike running, yes, I get a medal for crossing the finish line when I run in a race. But I'm too slow to place in my age group. I'm good with that. But on ski trips, I place. And my ski club does well in overall competition. I'm actually the race director for my ski club. And I love it. I love helping others race. I love racing gates. It actually helps you become a more proficient skier. Since I purchased skis in 2016, I've also increased the number of days I ski. I try to get 20 or more days in. I even go on solo trips. I love it so much. When I go solo, I usually take lessons or do ski camps to improve. I also try to attend orthopedic meetings that are at ski resorts so I can kill two birds in one stone. I can get some hours for my continued education and I also get a chance to ski. I have had a few injuries in relation to skiing. Nothing as in comparison to running. Well, that was true until 2020. Prior to my current injury that I'm recovering from, the only other injury I had was in 2016. One accident I had was in 2016. I was skiing with two of my guy friends. We had done a 
run with moguls and trees, which was really challenging. I made it through. Then I had to go back to my lecture. It was one of the combined conferences at a ski resort. I usually take friends with me to the orthopedic conferences. I like skiing with my crew, unless I'm taking lessons. And lessons are difficult with my meeting schedule. I was in some deep powder, and I'm not the best powder skier. It takes a different set of skills than skiing. Nice groom runs. Following the powder run, I fell and I landed directly on my knee. It didn't really bother me at the time, but the following day, it really started bothering me. I was able to finish skiing, but when I returned home, I had problems running. My knee swole a small amount, and I was never able to run without pain. So I ordered myself an MRI. Sometimes being a doctor does have its privileges. I had a chondral lesion. I saw Dr. Brian Cole, which is a orthopedic surgeon who also takes care of the Chicago Bulls, among other professional athletes. He recommended that I undergo PRP as well as a hyaluronic acid injection. Let me explain what PRP is. Platelet-rich plasma. Platelet-rich plasma is a non-operative way to treat inflammation in joints as well as soft tissue. The physician or the physician's nurse, medical assistant, collects the plasma and uses a machine to separate the platelet-rich plasma from the rest of the blood. Then the platelet-rich plasma is injected to the area, in my case, my knee. Once the platelets are in the area being treated, they break down and release growth factors, which help cells repair and renew. It's thought to trigger your body's healing response. Since I had only had a small cartilage injury, he thought that was the best option versus surgical treatment. You also use a hyaluronic acid, and hyaluronic acids are used to treat cartilage injury as well as advanced osteoarthritis. And it's thought to work by several properties. One, it lubricates your joint. In some people, the hyaluronic acid provides lubrication and shock absorption in the knee joint. It also may reduce friction within the joint, reducing pain and stiffness. It also is thought to have an anti-inflammatory effect in reducing pain, inflammation, and swelling in the knee. Hyaluronic acid molecules form a boundary around nerve endings, preventing pain signals from being sent to the brain. These molecules also bind to other cells in the knee that signal pain. This is thought to be another mechanism of helping overall pain reduction. So I had three series of injections. It was not the most comfortable procedure, and my knee always felt full after receiving the PRP and the hyaluronic acid. So it took about five to six weeks for me to start running again, but I was able to run again and ski again. 
So I had a successful outcome with PRP and hyaluronic acid injections. I also injured myself this year, racing February of 2020. I raced in the advanced category. We do the best of three runs. The first two runs, I took it a little conservative. I wanted to be faster each run, but the goal is not to fall because that doesn't count. But my last run, I took some tips from one of the experts and I really pushed it, but I pushed it too much and I went up falling and I hit my knee. At the time, it didn't bother me that much. I kept skiing. I skied the rest of the day. I did some nice runs. But the following day, I couldn't cut. I couldn't turn. So I tried. I did some test runs, but it was too hard to turn. It wasn't worth it. And it was the last day of the trip. So I figured I'll just recuperate and I'll be better on my next trip. Because originally we had planned to do a small trip in April prior to the end of the season. But unfortunately, during our ski summit this year, we were at Sun Valley, Idaho. This was at the start of the COVID pandemic. There were only five to six cases in Seattle at that time when we had our summit. And there also was several other conferences in Sun Valley at the time, a wilderness medicine conference for one was going on while we were in Sun Valley, Idaho. So following the trip at the summit, a friend of mine posted he was positive for COVID-19. And I thought, well, I saw him at Javier on Wednesday. So I need to tell my hospital because I came in contact with a person who tested positive for COVID-19. And I wanted to make sure I followed the protocol as far as quarantine. So they told me since I really didn't have any symptoms at that time, that I just needed to stay at home two weeks from contact with that individual. Later, I found out another one of my friends I had skied with on Thursday and Friday tested positive for COVID-19, and I started having mild symptoms at that time, headache, loss of taste, and fatigue. And then I found out one of our housemates had tested positive, and he actually was admitted to the hospital and stayed for about a week. So. That was Sunday. My trip was from Sunday to Sunday. So the last day of the trip was the day that I had had contact with the housemate. So I had to be at home two weeks from that last contact. I didn't have enough symptoms, although I had the headache, loss of taste, and fatigue. But at that time, tests were in short supply, so they just had me quarantined. Later, I had the covid Antibody testing was positive. And I also signed up for another study and I still had antibodies. So I did contact COVID-19 at our ski summit. And actually, unfortunately, at least four members passed away from COVID. I did not know them personally, but it was a great loss. Since the summit, my knee never totally recovered. I initially had a cortisone injection, and briefly, cortisone actually suppresses the immune system. It reduces pain and swelling at the site of injection, so it helped relieve my symptoms 
for about six weeks. I was able to run again, but at about six weeks, it started bothering me again. Following this, I had another hyaluronic acid injection. This was a one-time injection versus the series that I had previously. With hyaluronic acid injection, there are various brands, Synvis, Orthovis, Hyagen, Gel One, Euflexa, to name a few. Some have three injection series, some have one injection. They both seem to be effective. Again, it got better, but after six weeks, the pain returned, and it mainly was during running. So I had another round of PRP, platelet-rich plasma. This lasted for about four weeks. Then around Thanksgiving, I was trying to do a run, which I usually do a turkey trot, but of course with COVID it was canceled, but I did my own version. After that, I realized my knee was getting worse. It felt initially similar to my injury in 2016, and I initially thought it was the same knee. I found my old MRI and discovered it actually was my left knee this time. In 2016, it was my right knee. So since I still had symptoms, I got another MRI. And to my surprise, when I saw the MRI and the report, I had a meniscus tear, cartilage injury, and a partial ACL tear. I was really surprised regarding the ACL tear because I never had any signs of instability. And with ACL tears, that is usually one of the Walmart signs. Initially, I was planning to try to ski the following week. I had everything planned, the flight, I was taking lessons, I had housing. But after I saw that report, I thought, oh no, if this was my patient, I would recommend surgery. So I called one of my friends, who's an orthopedic surgeon in Atlanta, told him what my MRI showed. He's like, yes, I would agree, surgery. So I made an appointment to see my old partner. This was on a Monday. I saw him the following Tuesday and I had surgery the following Monday, December 14, 2020. So I will do a follow-up podcast detailing my surgery and my post-surgery course at a later time. Ski season this year will be different due to COVID. This ski season is very different for a number of reasons, COVID and my injury. I would have been skiing. It's good for my mental health, particularly in winter months. I actually travel more in the winter than I do in the summer. I live in Chicago and I'm usually training for races and enjoying Chicago summer. In the winter, I try to ski as much as I can. I love the people and of course I love the sport itself. I see small trips happening from friends and I think they will continue to happen. With reservations, limiting the number of people on the lifts, limiting indoor dining, and app preview or happy hours. Skiing actually is a great social distance sport as you're spread out over the mountain. Our yearly summit was this past weekend and actually was virtual. 
The original plan was to go to the dark side and ski backcountry if ski resorts were closed. I was going to be adventurous and give it a try. They hike up. They have a lot of gear for avalanche and all of it's ungroomed, so you have to be a more proficient skier. I'm an intermediate skier and do groomed and some ungroomed terrain, but I've never done backcountry. I need a good white powder, but it seems like I will have no white powder unless I can get a couple of days in, maybe toward the end of April in some place out west that has some snow left. I pray maybe. If not, I'll be back again next season. Can't stop, won't stop. So if you've never tried skiing, I recommend that you give it a try. It's very fun. And Black people do ski. I am a testament. If you never tried it before, take a lesson. And if you want to learn about uh, the National Brotherhood of Skiers, I'll include a link in the notes. There are several clubs throughout the country. And the club I'm a member of, which is Sugar and Spice. It is a female ski club, but we have boss, our brothers of Sugar and Spice for men. Ski club is virtual, so you can be a member no matter where you are in the country. And we also have a Nubian ski club, which is in the UK. So you don't have to be in the United States in order to be a member of the National Brotherhood of Skiers. And I also ski with another group called Epic Life. And I am going to actually have them on for a podcast. They plan international trips. We went to Japan in 2018. And that was a trip for the ages. And we also, before COVID, before the pandemic, in January, we went to Paris for a few days, and then we went to the French Alps. And it also was a trip for the ages. It was a great time to get away and spend time with friends who I consider family. I consider my ski friends my family before the world changed. Thank you. up this episode of running is cheaper than therapy podcast thank you for tuning in please if you already haven't download running is cheaper than therapy podcast on itunes spotify or however you listen to your favorite podcasts if you have any questions comments or possible show topics please email running is cheaper than therapy olb Omaha Love Brown at gmail.com. Again, that is running is cheaper than therapy. O as in Omaha, L as in love, B as in brown at gmail.com. Dr. Brown can also be reached via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Handle We O U I Life L I V E. We O U I Love L O V E. Again, we, O-U-I, life, L-I-V-E, we, O-U-I, love. Thank you and please tune in again.